the average multiple for owner-operated businesses across all industries is 2.5. 2.5, the average multiple for a business that is not owner-operated in the same exact industry is 4.5. That's pretty significant. So if you've got a million dollars in profit and you're ready to sell, it's the difference between getting two and a half million and four and a half million. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's gonna get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you wanna get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www businesslunchpodcast.com and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. I would like to uh, welcome to the stage, help me talk through this stuff, uh, my friend, my business partner, Mr. Roland Frazier. Give him a round of applause. Where he is, there he is. Thank you. It's always fun when uh, they bring you up to stage and, and several people get up and leave. It, yeah. it doesn't, give you, yeah. doesn't give you the confidence. It just feels good. But wait, wait, yeah. Anyway, how you guys doing? That's great. We've got, I like that. We have a whole bunch of you at home as well uh, that are participating virtually and so want to acknowledge you and thank you for attending as well. And um, we have a whole bank of people back there that are monitoring the, um, the chat with you guys. So please participate. And uh, any questions you've got, let them know in the chat so that we can answer those from stage. We can too. And uh, do you want me to yeah. click, or do you want to click? Amazing stuff. Um, it's kind of my, my whoopee. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep right. going. Right. He, doesn't, he yeah. doesn't want to give up the clicker. Yeah, no. Um, so, and, and thank you for the reminder. And yes, hello to all of our friends uh, at home and abroad. Um, I want to, we want to talk about the five exits of the entrepreneur. Um, because what we found uh, in a lot of the companies that we've worked with, they're, they're not really exit-able, right? And, and how many of you, by the way, you know for a fact that you want to sell your business? Okay, I know for a fact I want to sell my business. How many of you don't want to sell your business? It's your baby and you want to maybe pass it down. How many of you are completely unsure? Okay, cool. Here's the thing I want to tell you about it. Um, whether you sell or whether you don't sell, whether you exit kind of the day-to-day -day or you exit the board entirely, there's, a, there's five different exits we're going to talk about it. What I, what I can promise you is no matter what, you want to be exit-able. You want the ability to exit, okay? You want to know that if you want to exit, any of them, you have the ability to do that. The problem is, most of the entrepreneurs we work with, they, they kind of look more like tired hamsters, right? So they're just this hamster on a wheel, and they're just going, and they're going, and they're going, and they're going. And I don't know about you, Roland, but when we look at businesses uh, to possibly acquire, when it's clear that the founder is the person who's responsible for like all the sales that come through, that's less appealing to us? Well, to me, it's very exciting because it means we won't have to pay much at all for it. Yeah. There's... So I like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's the we investment. love owner-operator. the entrepreneur, that's not good. Okay. <laughs> what he just said there is not a good thing. So we don't want to be the tired hamster. If you start off every month at zero and you've got to get on that wheel and get it spinning, right, you're not particularly exit-able. Uh, we also see a lot of entrepreneurs who are what we call in Texas all hat, no cattle. 
right? Y'all know the expression, all hat, no cattle? Right? Big hat, no cattle, that kind of thing. Th this idea that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who talk a really good game about how big their business is. They talk about it in terms of revenue. Or my favorite, they talk about it in terms of headcount. Ooh, we've got 120 employees on our team. Ooh, we're up to 2,000 employees on our team. Great. How much money do you make? Okay? Because at the end of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, especially in this climate, just about every business is going to be valued essentially on profitability. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and so there are a lot of people out there peacocking around acting like they're God's gift to business and entrepreneurship on Instagram and TikTok. And the reality is they may have a business that generates a lot of revenue, but they're not generating a lot of profit. Okay? They're all hat, no cattle. And remember, talk. we have a friend who rents seats out on his plane 15 minutes at a time without the plane ever taking off for Instagrammers to go on and take pictures of how they're on a private plane. Yeah. Crazy. Makes about 50 grand a month doing that. All hat, no cattle. By the way, that entrepreneur is smart. Um, <laughs> I mean, respect, right? Respect. Uh, big market and selling stuff like that to all hat, no cattle people. You don't want to be them. Uh, thirdly, the other thing we see is the, is, is the dance and bear phenomenon. Roland, you were the one that taught me this. Can you talk about what the dance and bear is? Yeah, uh, it uh, goes back to a conversation that I was having with, uh, with Dean Graciosi and Tony Robbins about um, when Tony was thinking about writing his next book. He told Dean, he said... Uh, he said, you know, man, we're doing great, but we're really dancing bears. As long as we're dancing, the money keeps coming. But the minute that we stop, our businesses die. And that's true for a whole lot of people, a whole lot of you guys and a whole lot of people that we know. And so one of the things we want to do is, is help you get out of that. And dur during that time, that was when both of those guys reinvented their business. Tony, in particular, wrote, uh, he said, I'm, I want to set up a fund and um, get an asset, an actual wealth asset that my dancing creates a wealth asset that won't require me to dance anymore instead of my perpetual dancing that I've been doing, which is you know start small in Canada and the United States and then get on TV and then go do world tours and then travel 300 days a year, right? 300 days a year, that's just too much. And, um, and then whenever anything happens, like you know he's got some voice challenges, right? He can't talk, he can't dance, and that means it ends. And so he, he uh, set up a fund and um, said that if he got a billion dollars under management that he would be set for life. Um, I believe that he exited that fund when he, had under, when he had 10 billion under management. So that was a great dancing bear exit that, uh, that you, you just don't wanna be that person. You don't, life, you know, my wife got stage four thyroid cancer. She went in for just a little thing on her neck that uh, she thought she should look at. She was told she had 90 days to live. That was 17, 18 years ago now. So obviously she beat that, but man, you never know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're one personal tragedy away from bankruptcy, almost all of us. And so you got to think that that's not a comfortable place to be. You've got to get out of that dancing bear area. Yeah, and, and some people say, but I love to dance and sing. I want to be the dancing bear. This is fun for me. That's great. But could you stop if you decided it wasn't fun anymore? Yeah, right? we're never telling you to stop doing what you love. If yeah. you love business, I was talking to uh, Marcus Lamanis about it. He's like, you know, people tell me I need to slow down and take more time. He's like, but I like what I do. I'm too much dang fun. Yeah, I'm, I have, this is, this is my hobby. 
and I would actually be bored if I had to do other things. That's okay. If you love what you do, I do too. That's fine. But you've got to have the ability to not depend on that for your ability to sustain the lifestyle that you want for yourself and your family. So we want to help you get out of that. And that's really what scalable.co and the whole seven levels and everything came out of was systematizing how we do that. And that's really what you guys are getting here. If you love it and you want to keep doing it, that, that is great. We never want to tell you not to, but uh, I, can, I can promise you, if you have to do it, you will eventually grow to resent it, okay? So we don't want you to be the dancing bear uh, unless you've decided that you're going to go and do it. And like for us, for example, I know the same is true for Tony, when, when we go and do the dancing, guess what? We also get paid a day rate for that, right? That's how you know, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, does the business require it? No. If it decides, the company decides it doesn't need me to do it, cool. Don't pay me, right? So We'll get into how you can accomplish that. So what is the goal, right? The goal is that we have for all of you in this room, right? And it's the goal that we have for all of our Founders Board members. We want you to transform your current top-line revenue, what you are currently generating today, top-line, into your bottom-line profit in three years or less. And your employees that's already think you get to keep all that money. So. Yeah, that's the nice thing. Imagine for a moment if it were true, right? Yeah, you know they think that, right? Okay, um, so we want all of you to be able to do that. But we want you to, and we want you to hit your number. We want you to achieve your ideal exit. We want you to live your version of what we call the level seven life. We want you to have it all, okay? We don't want you to feel like, oh, I guess I can have the money, but all I have to sacrifice is my soul. No, it is not a worthy sacrifice to make. It isn't. It is not a good sacrifice to make. And so we talked about how with the seven levels of scale, the goal, we want to sprint to level seven. That is what we want. We talked about how there is no level eight, okay? There, there is no level eight. When you hit level seven, when you hit your goal, you're either going to reset and you're going to pursue an even bigger, badder, faster, more motivating goal, all right? Or you're going to look to take one or more of the five exits. So let's go through what the five exits are, starting with exit number one, uh, exiting the line. Can you talk about that, Roland? Yeah, so really what, what we kind of identified is that you, you're going to occupy one or more of six roles during the time that you're in business. And um, some of those roles are, uh, as you move up the line, uh, you may want to stay in and, and continue in for, for a while. So we're gonna talk about like the, the kind of how these roles map to the levels of scale and how exiting these roles is important to get to the point where you have flexibility to do what you want to do and aren't becoming the, um, uh, the thing that's rotating around the business. I love that graphic, by the way. <laughs> I also like how it just flew out of uh, That's what happens. Out, out of Eventually, everything. it's toodles. So, um, so the first thing is, is that you're working on the line. On the line means that you're doing all of the work, right? And um, you might be supported by employees, but, but I mean, you're basically at the lowest level doing direct, doing directly the thing that you sell, either helping to acquire the products, you know, going to China to order them, uh, rendering the services, running the marketing. How many of you are doing that right now? And at home, just say yes in the thing, in the chat. The okay. toilet overflows, you're grabbing the plunger, right? Yeah, that's, so that's the line. That's, that is the place that, um, that, really connects the business to the end customer. And so everything above the line becomes how can you run the business better to serve the customer better? And so the very first exit is from doing to delegating. 
So doing to delegating. This is where you go from being on the line to being a manager. And being a manager means that you've got employees or contractors or other people that you're supervising that report to you. So if you've got that, then you've made that first exit. How many of you have people that report to you? Almost everybody. Okay, thank you. So that's great, right? If you're the person on the line and you can't be there, your business can't do what it does for its customer. Then as manager, that's cool, but you're still really not able because you're caught in the whirlwind of supervising the people that are working with you, you're not able to be a leader. And so the next exit is moving from manager to leader. And this is where you become a CEO. Now, I'll tell you that many, many, many people, including I'm sure a lot of you guys in this room, have the title CEO, but they're just a manager. They have the title CEO, but they're just a manager, right? And so you're a manager with a title. And so that exit, the true exit from manager to CEO is gonna require you to get through the first three levels of scale that Ryan talked about. You're gonna have to have those 10 sales, not to your mom. You're gonna have to have that- Unless you have 10 moms. Growth engine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That uh, you're gonna have to have that Don't growth think. engine in place and you're gonna have to have an operating system which you'll go into a lot more. But at that point, then you can still have people reporting to you because CEOs do have people that are reporting to them, but it's a chance to lead instead of react. It's a, stand, a chance to be proactive instead of reactive. And also as a CEO, you establish the vision for your company and then you start to work with the people that are on your board. And maybe you don't have a board. How many of you have a board that you go to for advice or a board of directors? Only a couple of you, okay. Um, so that's something that we'll talk about as well. That's what the CEO does. And the CEO then is the chief visionary leader and ideally is not really doing that much in ops. The CEO is really primarily responsible for being the bridge between the directors and owners and other outside people outside the company in finance and uh, deals and things like that but really shouldn't be doing much in the way of operations. You that, should have an operator doing that. Yeah, and that distinction you said, because you said they're the bridge between the directors, the owners, the stakeholders, and the company. Um, a lot of you thought, but I don't have directors, owners, stakeholders. I own the company, right? It, it's me. But what you need to realize is that those are, in fact, two different roles. Yeah. You, the owner, you, the stakeholder, you, the director, you need to be thinking as impassionately as possible about like, how does this thing make money, right? How does this thing make money? Not just thinking as the CEO, which is I wanna you know, make sure that I give these people time and I wanna make sure that, um, you know, that, that, we're, that we're leading and that we're elevating people. Like it's both and it's a balance, but as the owner and the CEO, you need to wear both of those hats uh, until you take exit number three. Exactly. And so you want to talk about exit number three? And, and you won't really be able to exit the CEO stage until, I mean, or you won't be able to enter the CEO stage until you've had those first two exits. You won't truly be a CEO till then. You're a manager with a title, okay? So we really would like for you to leave here absolutely positively certain that you can and have a plan to get out of the first two exits. And, and by the way, here's how you know. Here's an objective way to know. Do I have an operating system in place? 
uh, where I have truly ascended to, the, to a true CEO, here's how you know. You can go on vacation for a month and you come back and things are as good or better than when you left them. Yeah, and I would change that to six months to a year because yeah. a lot of people can scrape by and kind of cheat for a month. You know, you're on vacation, but you're answering emails and you're on calls and you're fixing all the things that are going wrong in the business. That's not... That's not... Well, they threw up in their mouth when I said a month. That's not... And you bumped it up to six to 12 months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is, for, for our Founders Board members, that is one of the first goals we have for you. And we actually say, put a date on calendar. When are you taking a month off? My family and I did that um, uh, th this summer. It was great. Took a month off, came back. Um, my, my wife was coming. She's like, you literally didn't open up your laptop the entire time. Nope. It was great. It was like a real vacation and everything. I didn't even not take merely, my laptop last time. Yeah, not merely going on a trip and bringing work with you. I mean an actual vacation, like an actual holiday. Got some friends of ours who are here as well, entrepreneurs. They did the same thing. We got to go and kick it in uh, France. For You were there for three weeks. I joined uh, there for two weeks. I couldn't stay as long because we have these pesky things called children mm -hmm. uh, that apparently expect to be fed on a semi-regular basis. So we we have back. them too. We're just not that close. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, but that is, that's when you know. All right, that's when you know. A lot of people are like, no, we got solid systems. Great. Here's the objective thing. Like, can you do it? Could you, could you leave for 30 days? Or if you're rolling, because this is what Roland does, he's like, oh, we're going to plus it. Six months, 12 months, screw it. Um, could you leave for 30 days? Okay, so, so now you're ideally in the CEO role. Now, the different roles that come after that, if you want to stay in them, you can, right? I mean, it's your business, it's your whatever your passion is. And we know lots of people that sit in two or three roles from CEO above at the same time. It's a very strong possibility that as the CEO, you are going to be on the board of directors for your company um, or your own advisory board that you're going to participate in that. So one of the things that we talk about after you double your salary is that you got to put a board of directors and a board of advisors in place. Now, legally, if you've got a corporation, you're required to have some sort of director. Uh, the directors are effectively the people who are supposed to govern the company. So you're moving from CEO is a leadership role to governance as a director. Okay. And that's exit three. That is exit. When three. you exit the org chart. Correct. Right. So you're no longer on the org chart. You're floating above that org chart as a director. Right. So, so for me, I don't want to be on any org chart because that means that I have a job description and a job and a title. And I don't want to do that because ultimately you'll find that Unless you're Elon Musk, who's the only person I think that can be chief twit and two CEOs at the same time of companies, uh, you know, most of us don't, aren't, aren't able to do that. But um, real quick, how many of you resonate with that? How many of you are like, I would love to fire myself as CEO and, and just go on the board? Seriously, um, there's not a wrong answer. How many of you are like, no, no, I, I genuinely love and enjoy running this thing and I want to be the CEO of it? There is no wrong answer there. We want you to have options. It depends on okay. your goal. It, th there's a wrong answer depending on your goal. Right. Fair enough. So, so you might find that you get in conflict with yourself because if you want to have a portfolio of companies that you are uh, that you are working on, we like to say it's above the business. You know, so you can work in the business when you're on the line in the manager job. You're working in the business when you're the CEO. You're ideally working on the business, but when you move past that then you're working above the business, where we're not thinking about the products or services that our business is selling, we're thinking about the business as the product or service that we have for sale. And that's a big, important thing to think about, because your ability to scale outside of the four walls of your company is going to really require you ultimately to leave the CEO job, because you can't be a great CEO 
and have all these other things going on at the same time. I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that as most of us can't do that, okay? Unless your name rhymes with Elon Musk, you probably yeah. can't do yes, that. Yes, exactly. So, um, so that exit is an optional exit from CEO to board. That's from leadership to governance. Now you're on the board, and maybe you're on the board and the CEO at the same time, but now you get an opportunity to sell the company. You start getting offers. How many of you have had, at home and here, how many of you guys have had an offer to, to buy your company from somebody? Okay, that's cool. That is such a great compliment that you've created something that somebody else is interested in buying, right? That's a really great compliment. And you may or may not want to do that. And we'll talk a little bit about that on the, uh, on the third day. But um, so now your option would be to exit the board, right? You can exit the board and become just an investor. Most of the buyout offers that come from third parties are going to be not to buy 100% of your company. The private equity model is they're going to want to acquire 70, 80, 90% of your company, and they're going to want you to hang out for a little while. And they're going to want you to have the ability, as they help you build the company, to exit again for an even greater amount when they 6x the value of the company, which is generally what their goal is. So that next exit from board to investor is one that you will make when you sell some part of the company, because when you sell some part of the company but retain part, you're an investor in your own company. You are now, but you truly become an investor there because you're not running anything. And that's an odd spot. We have a friend that's flying in tonight who, um, who was able to do that kind of exit at a $2 billion valuation. And he's like, he's coming here because he doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> he literally is like, why are you guys bored? Yeah. He's freaking bored. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's a little Who does he want to hang out with other entrepreneurs? Yeah. Well, hang on, he's on. moving into uh, acquisitions and consulting, but it's a, he's like, I got, I got surprised by that because they, not only am I not required to be there anymore, they don't want me there. He's like, I did this for like 10 years and now I, I, I'm kind of lost. And he'll tell you that, right? So, um, so that's, that's something to think about is that, that as you become an investor, and he's an investor now, and he's on the board. So he's occupying a couple of rows, and he was CEO before. So he was occupying different roles then and moved uh, and, and now out of the CEO position into the board, so there's governance and investor. So there's how can, I, how can I see about getting an ROI on this? And then ultimately, the last exit is when you sell everything. You're no longer an investor in the company. You have moved on. That company has served its purpose. Now, we'll argue pretty strongly on day three that it makes sense for you financially to consider wanting to exit your company because there's no faster way that we've been able to see that you can build wealth by than by creating uh, multiple opportunities with the companies in your portfolio to get paid several years of profits several times a year. And we'll talk about how you do that on day three, so that's a... That's a teaser for that. But that's really the, the five exits. And so at that level one, two, that exit one, two, when you're in the line and you're in the manager roles, it, you, you haven't gotten to the point where you're really a CEO. You can't really get to the next level in the company to truly scale it if you're in one of those roles. Now you're in the CEO role, fantastic. Be a true CEO. Have the operating system in place. 
double your salary. Do level three, do level four, right? And build your board, right? So you can get that three, four, five level as the CEO. And then we'll talk tomorrow about growth through acquisitions. We'll talk about the gap of what the business model that you've got right now can achieve within your desired timeframe. And almost always, you'll find that you're gonna run up against a wall. You're gonna run up against a wall because you either need to have more ideas, more products, more people, more capital, some of that kind of stuff. And the way through that for every big company, I don't know any companies that are in the Fortune 500, Fortune 5,000, uh, excuse me, Fortune 1,000, that don't do acquisitions. So acquisitions, programmatic acquisitions, meaning programmatic M&A is that you actually have a program to specifically identify the challenges that you've got in the company that the company cannot address through its current business model. And how can you use acquisitions to expand past the limitations that you've got? And what we'll talk about is doing that with little or no money out of pocket. Um, and you can, you can solve pretty much anything through an acquisition. So that's something that if you really wanna to get to scale, I mean, if you really wanna to get to scale, you see almost all of the larger companies doing this. I don't know of any that aren't. I'm sure there's some somewhere, right? But it's really the thing that's gonna get you past the limitations you've got. So we'll talk about that then. And then at that point, you can decide, do I want to just be on the board? Do I wanna sell part or all of my company and, um, and move through those other exits? But we gotta get you to at least being a true CEO. So what I want you to do right now, because that, I mean, you could see today, we, uh, today is all about giving you the ability to exit the staff, right? Exit the staff, become that true CEO. Tomorrow, we're beginning to, you know, climb the, the seven levels of scale. What does it look like to, you know, increase your take home? What does it look like to, uh, what does it look like to do acquisitions? And then uh, Friday is all about what does it look like to exit? So we want to take you and, all the way through this journey. I, I would write down those roles. I would write down line, manager, CEO, director, investor, exeter. Yep. And then I would right now put those on a piece of paper and circle the ones that apply to you and then think about what do you need to do to get out of those first two and then which of the other ones do you want to sit in for a while? Yeah, right now, turn to the person next to you, take one minute. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this. We're going to keep going. So don't get up and go. Tell the person next to you, this is the exit. All right, this is the exit that I want to take. Do you want to exit the line? Exit the staff? Exit the org chart? Exit the board? Or exit completely? Which exit do you want to take in the next 12 months? All right, which exit? Tell the person next to you. And if you're at home, drop it in the chat. Hopefully you got to share all of your uh, deepest, uh, darkest aspirations with a total stranger. That's always fun. Uh, hopefully you got to do that. Hey, by the way, is anybody else out there an introvert? Are there any introverts in the room? Yeah, I am too. If I had asked me, if, if somebody had asked me to do what I just asked you to do, I would have died a little bit inside. So thank you very much for participating. I can tell you what we're gonna be doing is, is a lot of workshop, a lot of interactivity. I know this is us throwing a bunch of stuff at you. When, when we finish this and, and we're, we're getting into like building stuff and work on things together. So you're gonna get to know your neighbors. I'm not gonna ask you like weird back rubs or any of that crap, but um, I'm gonna ask you to, unless you want to, I guess, I mean, it's a free country. Just make sure the person next to you is cool with it too. Um, all right, we, I made it weird. All right, let's keep going. So how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you ascend the seven levels of scale and how do you become exit able? We've talked about what it, what it means to become scale able, right? What it means to become scale able 
is to have a flywheel spinning, to have an operating system installed. What does it mean to become exit able? Those first two are a part of the puzzle, but they're not all of it. And so what we have here, and you have a sheet in front of you, is a framework that we call the Scalable Impact Framework, or SPV. Let me say one thing, too, about, because uh, uh, exit able or exit ready, to me, I, I like better because you don't have to exit. But if you set your business up so that you can, it will be a better business. Like, you really, at some point, should be running a mock due diligence as if you were going to be dealing with a buyer because you'll find the weaknesses in your business that will make your business stronger, that will generate more sales, more profits, less risk of litigation. All of the things that a buyer would be concerned about, you as an owner should be concerned about as well. And we really don't do that nearly often enough. So think about that, you know, if you're, because, we know because we talk to people about this all the time, sometimes people have an objection to, well, I don't need to be exitable because I'm never going to exit. You know, you don't know. You don't know, right? I mean, literally our $2 billion friend, right? They did not plan to exit at all. And they got an investor that came in and was supporting them with the growth capital that they needed. And that valuation was about 180 million when they came in and they figured they were good and they were working towards you know, building up to maybe a half a billion or something like that. 18 months later, somebody came in and said, how about 2 billion, which is more. They weren't, I mean, literally when those people came in, they said, I'm, I'm not sure. It's I almost double. It is almost double, yeah. almost, yeah. The, um, but uh, think about that, right? There is a number probably that would make sense to you and your family and the people that you love for you to exit. But even if there wasn't, there is leakage going on in your business right now. Every single one, we have it too, right? We go through that same challenge and going to think about being able to have a company that is ready to exit, that's exit ready, means that you have options and options win every time. So just think about that. Yeah. So what, what does it take to be scalable, to be exit ready? Uh, number one, hopefully this goes without saying you have to have leveraged sales. It does start with sales, all right? And leverage you do need to have sales, but not just any kind of sales, leverage sales. Yeah, yeah, leverage sales are different, right? So sales and, and um, think about how can each thing that you do, like you want the activities that you take and the investments that you make to create sales to be disproportionate. You want to say, how can I make one little change, take one little action, and actually get huge results? Not just, do I run more ads? Do I speak on more stages? Do I um, you know, do more SEO, right? Those are very linear. What are the big moves that I can make? that will actually create leverage, which we'll go, I think we go into that in detail later, right? Yep. So we won't do it right now, but, but that's really important to think about how does my little act actually generate whole new markets or whole new groups of customers or whole new categories of value ladder that I can sell? Yeah, and how do the efforts that we make actually compound upon one another? So you need leverage sales. Um, you also, and this is important, we talked about this, need bankable profit. Not just my accountant says that we made profit. I mean actual Bankable profit, distributable profit, profit that you can put in your pocket. That's an important difference. We, we talked to uh, one of our friends uh, who's a business owner not long ago and said, you know, how, how are things going? 
And he said, um, I'm going to make $2 million in profit this year. I was like, that's fantastic. And then I said, is it real profit? And he said, yeah, of course it's real. And I said, well, are you reinvesting that in the company? And he said, yeah, I, I got to reinvest all of it into the company. I said, well, that's cool because it is profit, right? Congratulations. You get to pay taxes on all of it that you can't write off and then put it into the company, yeah. Woo, right? So maybe you'll get a million three in there or a million five, but it's not bankable. You can't decide what you want to do with the money. I think that's the big thing with bankable profit is that you should be able to decide what you want to do with it and not need to put it back into the company. That's really important. So do you have profit? And that doesn't mean that you won't reinvest in the company at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, we are saying, you've got to have bankable profit, profit that can go outside, that can do the things that you want to do outside the company. That's really, really important. In addition to leverage sales and bankable profit, you also need transferable values. So this is what we call the SPV, right? SPV, leveraged sales, that's the S, bankable profit, that's the P, transferable value. We like to say the transferable value comes in two forms. Both the ability for you to transfer the value creation process to somebody not you. So the value creation process, meaning how do we make sure that the running of the business can be done by other people? That's the exit number three that we talked about. But it's also, the second type of transferable value is how do we transfer the value of the actual company to somebody else? In other words, how, how are we in a position where somebody might want to acquire it? Which means how can you make it appealing to somebody else? Which means that you need to be thinking about how can you remove all of the risk that an investor buyer in your company would be concerned about to the extent that they will actually make the investment. Because if you're an owner operator right now, if you can't do that, and I'm, I'm for sure on this one, if you can't be gone from the business for a year, you are an owner operator. And you're going to be stuck in the company with a consulting contract, an employment contract, or some other thing that I will bet you, because I've seen it happen a lot of times, makes you very unhappy because you're gonna be answering to about a 23-year-old MBA graduate that's a junior associate at the private equity company or the company that bought your company. And that is a terrible place to be. Yeah, and your, your multiple is going to be significantly lower. The average multiple for owner-operated businesses across all industries is 2.5, 2.5, the average multiple for a business that is not owner-operated in the same exact industry is 4.5. That's pretty significant. So if you've got a million dollars in profit and you're ready to sell, it's the difference between getting two and a half million and four and a half million. But, and we'll talk about this uh, tomorrow or, or on day three, it also changes the definition of what your profit is. You go from a definition of profit that's called SDE, or seller discretionary earnings to a definition of profit called EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, uh, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And so you actually, instead of going from about a 2.5 to a 4.5, you're really going from about a 2.5 to a 5.5. And so the difference between exiting or no, not being able to exit at all, which is also true of most owner operators, from not being able to exit at all to being able to exit for significantly more about three times more. That's a big deal. Let me translate that for those of you who don't have a background in uh, legal and uh, tax accounting. Uh, mo money uh, and mo freedom, all right? Those are good things. Um, so the, why does this work, right? Why these three things? 
Why these three things, why do they combine to make the magic happen? Because simply, when you have leveraged sales and bankable profits, these two things combine, you got momentum. Okay, you're a giant, trugging, massive freight train that nothing can stop. Lots of sales and lots of profits so you never run out of fuel. Okay, you're just, you can if you want to pump it right back, you know, pump it right back in, nothing's gonna stop you. If you've got leveraged sales and you've got transferable value, now you are scale-able. Okay, so we talked about, you remember what, what two levels you need to go through to become scale-able? Specifically, level two, remember what level two was? Call it out. Having your growth flywheel spinning. Sounds a lot like leveraged sales, doesn't it? Level three, having transferable value. Sounds a lot like an operating system, doesn't it? Right? If you've got leveraged sales and you've got transferable value, congratulations, you've passed two and through levels one, two, and three, you are now what we call scalable. You've crossed the scalable line. And when you have bankable profits and transferable value, this is when you have the most glorious thing to entrepreneurs, period, and that is options. We said it before, you could sell, you could not sell. It's up to you. We just want you to have the option. Because I know for me, I'm the kind of person who when I get stuck in traffic, I will leave the freeway, go the back roads, knowing good and well it's gonna take me longer, but at least I'm in control. Okay, will anybody else drop a grenade at your own feet to keep somebody else from telling you what to do? I know this guy will. I've watched him freaking do it. It's terrifying, all right? But that's us. That's what we do. We crave options almost above all else. But the beautiful thing is, if you've got momentum, if you're scalable and you have options, now you can achieve what we call scalable impact. What does that mean? It just means the impact can be as big as you want it to be. The impact on yourself, the impact on your inner circle, the impact on your community, the world at large, you get to do whatever the heck you wanna do, as big as you want it to be, okay? It is totally up to you, and the other thing that you have in addition to scalable impact is your exit ready. Okay, you combine all of these things and your exit ready, right? So how do we do that? How do we make that happen? We're gonna talk about it, but let's talk about what happens if you don't have one of these. Specifically, if you don't have leveraged sales. We talked about this, you know what it feels like? This is when you're that hamster on a wheel. If you lack leveraged sales, you could have a lot of profit, and you could even have a decent operating system, right? But it's still hamster on a wheel. If you lack bankable profit, but we talked about it. Oh, sorry. I think it's good. Back, back one X up. So I like looking at, I like looking at um, what you lose when you don't have one of these because we, we, we really notice it, right? Think about what you're losing. If you don't have leveraged sales on the left side, you've lost momentum. Yeah. And momentum is critical. As we go into the recession that we may or may not have, but I've seen 92 to 100% likelihood in all the last things that I've looked at, right? It's great. We're excited about it. because this like Vegas odds? Where are you hearing that? Because uh, it's, it's uh, the seven leading economists and McKinsey and a couple of others. So all the people yeah, that, you know, all the people that, are, uh, that have lots more degrees than we do. But, um, but momentum gets lost in recession because what usually happens is businesses let people go. And most importantly, they cut back on marketing because they think that's the easiest thing to cut back on. And study after study after study shows that it, the people that double down, the companies that double down on marketing in a recession come out of it significantly more profitable than the others because you're able to capture share of voice. You're able to capture market share that wasn't capturable before. It was, it was lots of noise or it was too expensive to acquire a customer. So that's what's coming for us, and that's exciting. And so momentum is really important, right? The ability to continue pushing and not lose momentum and get started again to just add gasoline or gas pedal to what's already working is so much easier than starting from scratch. So 
that momentum loss is really important and the ability to be scalable. I mean, I think we're all pretty clear on that. That's you're what an event lose. called get scalable. So you want to get scalable. Yeah. Because you're at an event called, you see how that works? All right. Um, if you don't have bankable profit, we talked about it being kind of all hat, no cattle. Another way I like to think about this is, uh, is the toothless chihuahua. Um, and I thought about this when I was actually at Roland's house and we were building this because Roland has chihuahuas and he's got one chihuahua in particular, the most yappy, loudest and obnoxious, has no teeth. He has one tooth, which somehow he <laughs> manages to get the ankles of almost everybody. Yeah. But when you think about a toothless chihuahua, what are you dealing with? All bark, no bite, right? Nice, nicely done, Jets. All bark, no bite. We don't want to be a business. We don't want to be entrepreneurs with all bark, no bite. We don't want to be all, you know, all hype, no cattle. And, that, and that's critical too, because look at what you're losing. You're losing optionality. Yep. And let's talk about what that means. If you don't have bankable profit, that means you have to go to someone else for capital. That means that to continue your business, you're going to have to go to a bank, God forbid, or a credit union, or angel investors, or private equity, or private money, or you know, hard money, friends and family, God forbid, too, right? Hard money. I mean, it's expensive. with a baseball bat. So, and then that means that you have runway with an end. Because if you can't change that, you're living on borrowed time. You're literally living on borrowed capital, right? So that's, that's important to know. And you're going to either give up flexibility because you're going to, you're going to get into a tough cycle where the interest and the payments on the loans that you get and the covenants. Covenants are the things that they then say you can't do. Like, you can't pay yourself. You can't pay yourself at all. Or you can't pay yourself any more than what you were paying yourself over the last 12 months. And so then you get really in a tough hamster wheel there too. So it's very important to have transferable value so you can go and get money to grow, but that's the reason to get that, right? Not to sustain. Bankable profit's really, really critical. If you don't have the transferable value, again, that's, we talked about it, that's when you're the dancing bear, right? And when you're the dancing bear, that's when you've lost all optionality. It's when you're definitely not scalable. Um, and it's when, frankly, uh, we don't own our businesses, our businesses own us. Uh, I say this a lot, you're gonna hear me say it again. Um, the more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. That's, that's a really important a, thing to write down. And that's a writer downer, yeah. all right? The more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. Oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we pride ourselves in being able to swoop in, save the day. We can do anything, we can do everything, and therefore we do, right? Cool, you're trapped, you're captive, okay? You don't own your business, your business owns you. So what does it mean to get more leveraged sales? If we're gonna zoom in you know, specifically on leveraged sales, and we will actually zoom in in just a minute. So I'm gonna go through kind of the, the outer ring and what you specifically need, and then we'll delve deeper into, into all of them. But number one, you gotta have that growth engine, okay? That growth engine is critical. You also have what we refer to as authority amplifiers. I don't know, okay? if, you, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I see people writing down, but you guys do have a sheet with this on it, which I would encourage you to take out Right, because that's what this is for. Yes, yeah. I thought I mentioned that earlier. If I didn't, my apologies. I may not have heard it. Um, did I mention it? Huh. He didn't, I was being- Some funny. people said yes and some people said no. You can't funny. have it both ways, y'all. All right, you got a sheet out in front of you. It looks something like this. Make sure that you're filling it in. And if you're at okay. home also- um, You have the sheet as well. Yes, you have the sheet as well. So be sure you get that out and start filling it out. Yes. So leverage sales, you need the growth engines. We talked about that. You need what we call authority amplifiers. Okay, this is the right messaging lining up in the right channels. We'll talk about that a bit more. You also need to have what, what we call a scalable model. You need to make sure 
that the growth of the business is not constrained by the model, right? You don't want to be in a situation where you could go, 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 but your business doesn't allow it to grow anymore, right? And we'll talk more about that. If you want bankable profit, you need to have what we call a $0 budget. Good news, tomorrow morning, we're going to work with you to create a $0 budget. We'll talk more about uh, that as well. You also need to have margin maximizers, right? Now would be a good time, if you haven't done so, to test raising your prices. Because guess what? The entire world just raised their prices, okay? If you did not follow suit, that is a problem, all right? You are falling behind. And it's 100% to the bottom line. That's the nice thing about raising prices. It all goes to the bottom line. There's no additional cost to raising your price. So much about bankable profits. Yeah, we want to increase margins. We want to make sure that we're budgeting effectively, but it's also good cash management, okay? So having a cash waterfall in place is critical to not just having paper profits, okay? Paper profits where your accountant says, you are profitable. You can pay taxes on that. And you're going, taxes on what? I didn't get it. And just to, just right? to kind of bring this home, how many of you have found out that if you don't take money out of the company, it finds a place to get spent? Mm -hmm. Everybody, right? Mm -hmm. We did that. It was like, so we're very ruthless with our companies now and saying this cash flow waterfall thing, it needs to deliver this or it's going to get fired, right? The company's going to get fired. If it can't pay us, it's going to get fired. Yeah, I told, I told the story. We, we slow burned about two and a half million dollars, a little bits at a time. A little bits at a time, over a couple years. Didn't care for it. Roland liked it less. What, you know what I say? We didn't have to pay all those pesky taxes. It's true. All right? Yeah. We didn't have to pay him. He saved us a million dollars. Saved us like a million dollars in taxes. Take that, Obama. All right. Um, transferable value. Yeah, transferable value. All right. Uh, so we talked about cash flow waterfall. In terms of your trans, uh, transferable value, you got to have the operating system. Okay, you have to have an operating system. You also have to have a high output team that is running the operating system because any system is only as good as the team that is running it. I'll say it again. Any system is only as good as the team that is running it. We gotta have the systems, we gotta have the team, and we've gotta have the right structure. An exit ready structure. I'm pretty sure you're gonna be talking about that on day three, aren't you? We are gonna talk about that on day three. Talk about that on day three. So I wanna play a game. All right, we're gonna move through this pretty quickly. Uh, but I want to play a game, and the game is called Let's Find the Red. Doo -doo -doo. Cue the game show music. Don't actually. Um, ah, or you could. Um, they're, they're pretty quick. Yeah! We're finding the red. Thanks. Um, I knew they'd have it. All right. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, hopefully you filled this out. And um, on the table, you'll see there are highlighters. There's not enough highlighters for literally everybody, so you're going to have to share with your neighbors. This Which is by design. Yeah, it's by design because we want you to make friends, all right? Remember, it's about being in the room, asking for the fish, all that fun stuff. So as we're going through each one of these, I'm going to want you to highlight the section. Green is, we're crushing it. We got this one on speed dial, if anybody even remembers what that is, all right? We're crushing this one. Yellow is, meh, it's okay. Red is, oh my gosh, this is an absolute train wreck, all right? So let's start with leverage sales and dive in. Here we're talking about growth engines, authority amplifiers, and your scalable models. So if the words were too small before, there they are in big form. With respect to your growth engines, what we're looking at here is this is your ability to generate a consistent, predictable, and growing flow of new leads and customers each and every month. Here's your biggie, largely on autopilot. Okay, largely on autopilot. So do we have at least one growth engine, documented growth engine, not I think we have one. You have a documented growth engine 
that's directly responsible for at least 10K in sales at least three months in a row. What do you mean by documented? Just so What I mean by documented is if I say, hey, how do customers happen? You can visually show it to me. You can visually show me this is how they happen, okay? Not, you'd be like, well, they kind of do this and junk and stuff. No, 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 documented. You bring in somebody new in your sales and marketing department, you can show them and be like, this is how we acquire customers. This is where you fit in with that, all right? So many of you are crushing it. You know, you're doing, uh, there's people in this room who are doing well, high eight figures, but you have not documented this part. So you don't get to say green, you're looking at like pish posh. 10,000 a month, come on. That's what we spend in paper clips. If you don't have it documented, all right, you don't get to say that it's green, right? Really the only way that you, that you can go uh, green is if you've got one or more growth engine with seven figure momentum. So you got a million dollar flywheel, seven figure flywheel spinning and it is absolutely documented, that's green. Okay. So what's the difference between green and red and yellow? Or if it's if it's green, if you got a seven-figure flywheel documented spinning, uh, it, it's yellow. If you're like, oh, we've got some documentation in places, I could probably find it if you made me do it. So maybe and if it's you about have an that undocumented. If you have an partially un documented, undocumented, partially documented, maybe it's yellow. Yep. And if you're like, we ain't got none of that crap, you're red. Yep. Okay. Um, some of you are going to be like, I don't want to ask that person for the red one. And by the way, I realize it's. It's pink, by the way. Good luck finding red highlighters. Some of you are not gonna wanna ask the person next to you, can I borrow the red one? Do it. This is a safe place. This is a judgment-free zone, all right? One of the things we're trying to model up here is that we don't have it all figured out, right? The bigger you get, the better you get at this stuff, the thing that amplifies the most is the level and volume of your mistakes. Yeah, it's a judgment-free zone. And you're stupid if you don't take a red pen from Totally stupid, yeah. all right? Yeah. We're judging you if you don't yeah. do that. Now, all right, so I want you to highlight uh, the outside. I will tell you, the very, my very first uh, growth engine that I ever mapped was on a napkin. If you've heard my million dollar napkin story, this I would consider to be documented. It doesn't have to be a fancy flow chart. We're gonna show you how to do it um, using just post-it notes on the board. Like, so you will have this. All right, you will have this. But depending on where you are, no documentation, no seven-figure flywheel, red. Got me? So highlight it in that section right there. Y'all following? All right, let's move on. Authority amplifiers. This is our ability to clearly communicate our value through multiple channels, multiple channels, and become known as the de facto leader in our industry. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about not just our content, social, not just our channel, traffic strategy, messaging. Does your content and core message drive organic viral growth? And are we dominant, sorry, it got cut off, in more than one channel? Okay, are you dominant in more than one channel? Apologize for that cutoff there. So you need to know, like, if Facebook, Instagram were to kick your butt off their account tomorrow, what would happen to your business? If it would drop in half, feeling a little reddish, yellowish, okay? Um, you're green if you're dominant in multiple channels and the majority of your customers are seeking you out, finding you because you are the de facto dominant brand in your industry, okay? That is when you are green. You're everywhere all at once. And where you're not, they're trying to find you. Okay, that's what green looks like. That's what green looks like. Incidentally, it's really hard to focus on authority ampl amplification until you got your growth engine and your model dialed in. And your brand, which I think you're talking about. As yeah, well. oh, that, that, that's, that's factored in. So I mean, all of these things. They should know, like by authority, we mean that they should know what, you, what your company is and what you do. When they think of whatever the thing is that they need, your name comes to mind and your name comes up in the minds of people they're asking about it. In addition 
to different channels of advertising, right? Exactly. We're talking brand here. Brand and, 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 and omnipresence. So where are you there? Maybe you're like, hey, I've been following this company, Digital Marketer, and we're crushing it here, and we're green. Probably not true, but I'll give you that one, all right? I'll give you that one. But put on, what, what, it, what is it for you, right? What is it for you? Do you feel like you're doing well here? Your scalable model. This is our ability to innovate our business model and positioning uh, so we can deliver improved and differentiated solutions to an ever-expanding addressable market. And we'll go through an exercise on this uh, tomorrow, but really the question you want to ask here, I think, is, is if I know where I want to be and I know where my business is now and what it's likely to be able to do to grow or what it's done growth-wise historically, will it get me to, to where I want to be within my target time period, right? Can I get through the model I've got right now without any change? Can I get to the place that I want to be? If not, then you're going to have to find new ways to grow. Yeah, we like to ask the question, can you metabolize a 2 to 3x spike in sales without dramatically impacting your profit margins or the customer experience, right? Remember back when like Oprah would do her favorite things and stuff like that, right? Or book club kind of deal, like, like they would call it the Oprah effect. And it's like, boom, now everybody knows about you. What happens, right? What happens? Could you be like, bring it on, bring it on. Is sales and marketing limited by our capacity to fulfill or is there ample room for growth? And here's an acquisition tip for when we get to acquisitions. This is a great due diligence filter for seeing whether somebody has a company. You can tell that story that you might want to acquire. Tell the story. The uh, rapid. Yeah, when we were like, can we? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the very first deal that we did together, an acquisition before we were business partners. I like to always say, and this to me, it's really worth you thinking about too. Is I like to do a transaction with somebody before we create a partnership or or, or a deeper relationship. Just get a transaction done because there's nothing like doing something together. You are actually blessed if the first transaction doesn't work out, in my opinion, because then you get to see how is this person under stress. That was certainly our model. Yeah, and that's we did fail there intentionally. <laughs> yeah, because we know we didn't. But what happened was we went in, and uh, and I remember Ryan said this was a, a water filter company, and Ryan said to the guy, he said, and it was somebody that was in his Vistage. Group. So yeah. that was how that, that deal came group. about. So um, he told the guy, he said, you know, we're looking at, at an acquisition. This fits to help us scale something we've got because we're already selling water filters to people. You sell water filters to companies. Seems like great. And maybe we can take our manufacturing onshore and other good things. He said, but I just want you to know that what usually happens when we go into a company is that we're really good at marketing. We own digital marketer and we kind of know a thing or two about it, that the wheels fall off. So can you handle a three to five times sales increase in the next couple of months? And I was like, absolutely. And he's like, and I remember really, we, we rode out for God knows how long. When I looked at this place, in the middle, what was the name of the, the, the town it was in? Dude, I don't even remember. Coleman, Coleman, You Texas. go to nowhere. It was in Coleman, left. Texas, which I Googled, and there was nothing around Coleman, Texas on the first thing. And I zoomed out. And there was still nothing. And when I zoomed out two more times, I think I saw Abilene or something. <laughs> like, dag on. And we, it was, like, we ended up uh, driving for like three and a half hours in a car with our entire due diligence crew to go and have this, the first meeting with them, which was fun. But um, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, no problem. I got it. I can totally do that. 
no problem at all. Look at these machines. I can do that. We got it. Man, one rebrand and one blast uh, through a uh, automated dialer system to leads, and they fell apart. Yeah. Machines broke down. Spoiler alert. Filing they, cabinets they, they overflowed. Don't got it. Yeah. They don't got it. He did not have it at all. So, he did not got it. But this really does serve a fantastic due diligence. I wish we had done this. I'm a little mad at us for not inventing this, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. Invent a time machine first and go back and right? fix it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but it's a great due diligence for you when you look at acquisitions as well as for your own company. So where are you there, right? If you absolutely could metabolize and you know for a fact, not just you think you know because, whoo, um, then, then it's green. Uh, maybe you're like, you know what, we, we could grow a bit, but yeah, there's probably some limitation. Uh, we're gonna talk about kind of the first step to having a scalable model is also to have your fulfillment engine documented. To be clear, this is how we fulfill once we've sold. We understand, we can visualize it, which means we can optimize it, okay? So that's leveraged sales. Hopefully you're starting to look a little bit kind of colorful. I don't know if some of you have all greens. We're gonna talk about what happens if you get that. Let's talk about bankable profit quickly. That was that $0 budget, that was that uh, margin maximizers and also the cash flow waterfall. Um, so the $0 budget, this is our ability to create budgets and expense projections, and guess what, actually hit them, okay? To make a budget and hit it, weird, right? So do we have a $0 budget? By $0 budget, I mean you have a plan for every dollar that comes into your business. Every single stinking dollar has a plan. That's what I mean by zero dollar. You know how all of them should be spent. It's all got a name. It all has a plan. And then do you consistently hit your targeted expense ratios? Which if is you, a, that last thing is be sure that you're tracking. Because if you're not tracking and comparing your actual to projected budgets, then it's not serving you as well as it should. Yeah, and we're going to show you how to set that up tomorrow morning. So if you're saying, oh, gosh, Ryan, I don't know what you mean by expense ratio and what's a budget. Um, well, then, um, congratulations, you're red. Um, if you have some and you, if you have a budget, but you hit it occasionally, but not often, maybe it's, it's yellow. And if, yeah, you're consistently crushing it, showing up, uh, you got it. Um, Founders Board members, you know this tool. You love it. It's the expense ratio analyzer. We've got a, a paper um, analog version that, again, tomorrow morning, uh, Richard Linder and I are going to be up here helping you all build and create. So you'll leave here, uh, even if you're a yellow or a red right now, you should leave here at least getting into the yellow phase. In terms of margin maximizers, this is our ability to leverage value ladders, right? So selling more than one thing, uh, pricing, positioning, uh, to improve gross margins uh, while maintaining or even reducing operating expenses, right? How do we make the customers we got worth more? How do we increase our average customer values? A good question to ask is, have we raised prices in the last 12 months? If not, on the break, raise your freaking prices, okay? Have we tested high ticket slack adjusters, right? Have you tested an offer that is 10 times more expensive than your current average order value? If your current customer or client on average is worth $1,000, have you tested a $10,000 something or other? Okay, if it's 10,000, have you tested $100,000, something or other? Because here's what we know. 10 to 20% of your existing customer client base will invest 10X the average. If you get 10 to 20% to take a 10X, you just, by the way, if you do the quick math, at least double your average customer value. I would ask That's a question. quick math. I would ask a question also, not just have we raised prices in the last 12 months, but have we created additional value for our customers in the last 12 months? 
because one of the best ways to raise prices and increase margins and hit higher value, find things on the value ladder that you don't know about right now that are higher, is to say, what is the additional value? How can we serve our customer beyond what we're doing right now? If you're not always asking that question, you'll miss out on great opportunities to increase your value ladder. So where are you there? Maybe you're like, no, we're great. We're raising prices. Our, our average order values are, are tip top. Maybe you're green, maybe you're yellow, maybe you're red. Mark it in. Cash flow waterfall, our ability to cover all our operating expenses and asset investment needs. So sure, we're reinvesting some, that's fine, but it's all planned. And in addition to covering those, we have cash left over for reinvestment and distribution. So we're gonna ask, do you have a, a built up six month emergency fund? Are you building retained earnings for future investments? Do you have sinking funds? And here's the biggie, are you making regular distributions? Are you personally distributing money to you and your other stakeholders? If you can say yes to all three of those, fine, green. Right? If, if not, if you really can't say no, yes to any of them, then, then it's probably red. And maybe one or two, I'll let you decide if it's yellow or red. Okay? One of the things that, again, we're going to talk about tomorrow morning is how do you set up what we call a cash sweep waterfall? Okay? This is what dictates the movement of cash throughout your company. A way to think about it, if you've ever gone to a wedding and seen one of these or party and seen one of these champagne glass, it's like it pours in here and then it goes down, down, down. We're going to have you build something, a, a similar model framework for the cash as it flows into your business, right? So the cash is going to come into your operating account. Once you've built up at least some kind of funding there, we're going to make sure that we pay the tax man. Always pay your taxes. They have missiles. Um, once we got the operating account filled, we do want to begin to fund that. You can call it emergency fund. If it makes you feel better, call it an opportunity fund. Call it an opportunity fund, all right? Once we built that up, now we're going to start rolling things into different sweep accounts, right? Maybe you want to save for long-term investment. Maybe you want to have some other uh, sinking funds in place because you, you plan on you know, making a big capital purchase later on. You want to have the money for it. Or maybe you just want to pay yourself, okay? This is an example we're going to talk tomorrow about how to get more granular with yours. But the point is, you need a plan for the money. Because like Roland said, if it all just sits in your operating account, it will get spent. Okay, it will get spent. That's what I mean when I talk about a cash flow waterfall. It's interesting. Uh, one of our friends sold uh, their auto dealership chain to Warren Buffett's group at Berkshire. And um, since they did that, every day... 100% of the cash that's in the bank at the end of the day gets swept into an interest-bearing account. And he does that with every single company he owns. And then in the morning, it comes back. But during the 12 or 15 hours that it's out, it's earning interest at a higher rate than it would earn in the company. And he makes tens of millions of dollars off of that a day from the different companies just doing that sweep. So like, this cash management waterfall stuff that we talk about, real businesses use this and it can make a huge difference. That's yeah. really, really cool. Like down to the couple of hours. Let's talk about transferable value. This is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. Your operating system, your high output team, and your exit ready structure. So operating system, our ability to build and install systems so the business can scale without an over-reliance on the founder. And this is big or any other key individual within the organization. You don't want to be owned by your business, but you also don't want somebody else to have black boxed what they do to where you're terrified if they would leave or quit. Do you have anybody in your team who you're like, oh my gosh, if this person leaves, I am screwed. And, and have that. just in case you're wondering, we do. We do now. 
and we work. I mean, it just happens as somebody takes ownership of something and is really great and you trust them to do it, but you have to be aware that that's a weakness in addition to being a strength. And so you really need to coach that person in how can I pass that on to other people? So a lot of that has to do with the operating system and, and the parts of that that create redundancies. So are the company's core value creation processes documented? Uh, are they accessible by team members? Could you take at least 30 days off? If you can check the box on those, green, right? If you got some of them, but not most of them, uh, if you feel like you're okay, then maybe it's yellow. And if you're like um, systems, what system? We definitely have like a checklist, uh, then it's probably red. I will, one thing we're gonna talk more about, checklists do not a system make, okay? Checklists do not a system make. They're an aspect of the system process. They are not where it begins. And again, I gotta give credit. Josh, Taylor, are you in the room? There you are. Will you stand up real quick? Give this man a round of applause. You don't know why yet, but I'll tell you. Um, so Josh, Josh inspired this. I mean, he was telling us, he's like, hey, um, I got to take not just one month off, two months, right? Two months, took your family to Costa Rica. Um, and when you came back, while you were gone, your team didn't just do okay. They broke all the previous sales records, right? That's the goal. Now, do you realize you, got, you, you just got trumped, though? You know, you know somebody just beat your record? John Dominey, how many months off did you take this last year on a freaking cruise ship? Six. six months. My man was on a cruise ship going around the world for six months. Okay? That's the new one, y'all. All right? That's the new record. Founders Board members. All right? So I'm sorry. You, you've been dethroned. But I, I, ne this, this next year takes seven months. You, you got it. And, he, and he's doing it again this year. Um, that's, what, that's what we want for all of y'all. All right, that's what we want for all of you. Um, if you're not there yet, maybe you're yellow, maybe you're red. High output team. Our ability to, uh, to build and lead a team of doers. Ooh, that's a big one. Build and lead a team of doers who execute effectively, seek accountability, and elevate our culture. Is the team able to manage and scale itself into team members consistently hit the goals, wait for it, that they set for themselves? Okay, if your management style is, I tell people what to do, they do it, I tell them the next thing to do, they do it, I tell them what to do, they do it, I tell them if they did a good job, I keep coming back, okay? That is very transactional management, all right? That, that's, that's not elevating these folks. We got Amara, you here? Hey, of course you are. Amara was telling us um, one of the tools that we're gonna talk about this afternoon, the high output team canvas. There's an objective way to know for a fact if your team can do this, and weren't you saying, that we got it up here, so it must be true, uh, saved you about 80 grand? Yeah, so we're gonna hear more about 80 grand, and this is big, in people she didn't have to hire. Okay, $80,000 in what was budgeted, just over one quarter. We're going to spend this to hire these people. Going through some of the exercises we're gonna share later, didn't have to do it. And right now, yeah, y'all are dancing, that's nice. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about this tool here. So that's what we mean by a high output team. I bet a lot of y'all are like, you know what, red, screw these people, I wanna light them all on fire. <laughs> if that's your feeling, the color of flames, friends, fire. Um, maybe you're like, you know what, they're okay, like they're solid, they just, they just need some help, we need some additional guidance, we need to build some clarity around it, I need to do that, I, they, they deserve that, right? I got good people, they care, I gotta give them some clarity, that's on me, okay, maybe it's still red, but there you have it, different perspective. Uh, and then exit ready structure. Right, our ability to exit some or all of the business at the highest possible valuation without disrupting the day-to-day -day operations of the remaining business units. So do you know what your business and your assets are worth? 
And does your structure allow for it to be sold off in bits and pieces if necessary? One of the things I'm most proud of, when we, uh, when we sold Traffic and Conversion Summit, we didn't have to sell Digital Marketer. And that kind of goo, what we call the goose and eggs. You want to have a goose that lays eggs and you sell the eggs, but you don't sell the goose. Okay, that's what we want for all of you. And that's what I'm guessing you're going to cover some of this on day three. I am. So that, that is coming your way. We also think about it as an orbital portfolio model. So we've got kind of at the sun is our holding company, our holding group. The planets are the standalone brands. And then the moons are the, the, are the business units and the moons are the standalone brands that can be sold off. So we'll sell eggs, not geese. We'll sell moons, not planets. Okay, this is what Roland's going to be talking about uh, doing. If you are structured in such a way where you're like, yeah, I could carve off this little piece. We're structured that way. Our accounting is set up that way. Great, you're green. I bet most of you aren't. Um, probably more of a, of a yellow or a red. Okay, so I want you to look at your sheet, right? See the colors. Uh, because what we want to do, right? I mean, just to recap, right? We've got these five exits. And you've got a roadmap to achieving whatever these five exits you want to achieve, right? We want to ascend the seven levels of scale, and we want to get this scalable impact framework. We got to get the red out, okay? We want to get the red out. So at a minimum, if you've got a growth engine in place, we got to get that one to green. That's something we're going to talk about when we come back from break. We got to get the growth engines from red to green. It has to happen. If you don't have any budget in place whatsoever, we got to get that. And maybe we don't make it green, but it's at least got to get to yellow. We're going to work on that tomorrow morning. Cash flow waterfall. If your cash is going, well, you don't know where, we got to tighten that up and fix it. That's the fuel that's going to scale your company. We got to turn the red into yellow. In terms of your operating system, if you want freedom, we got to get this green. Okay, if you want freedom, we got to get this green. And your high output team, if your team is red, we got to get it to at least yellow or that will be your biggest constraint. Let me ask you a question. Um, how many of you have just about all green? Anybody? And it's cool. Any of y'all looking at it? Um, many, you have just about all green? That's great. Yeah, phenomenal. Here's what I will tell you. Growth happens when you turn red to yellow and yellow to green. Yeah. Growth happens when you turn red to yellow and yellow to green. And that's, that's our goal. That's what we want to do. Scale. That next leveling up happens when you turn green to yellow. When you turn green to yellow, what do I mean by that? When you raise your standards, when what you currently today consider to be good, tomorrow, next week, next month, you go, that? That's what I thought was good? Uh-uh. Not anymore. When you raise your standards, that is when companies scale. How do we raise our standards? Right? How do we raise our standards? We raise our standards by getting in the room like this. We, we raise our standards by networking, interacting, engaging, having people on our advisory board who have been levels beyond where you know, we can even imagine. They go, no, 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 you think that this is good. You know, you know what's bigger than a million? A billion, right? right? Talk to Roland for yeah, Talk to Roland for five minutes. Getting around people who can elevate your understanding and your appreciation of, appreciation of what is possible that's when scale happens. So if you're currently looking and you're seeing a lot of red, cool. What you now have is a name for the thing that is holding you back. You know what to fix, you know where to dial in, and we're gonna touch on a lot of these to hopefully turn red to yellow. That's, that's the goal, that's why we wanted to start here. You know, you, you've got that. Um, if you see some yellow, you know where you need to work. But when you get to the point where you're like, green all the way around, high five, I guess I'm done. No, you're not. Raise your standards, <laughs> level up, make what was green, um, yellow. Uh, I've, I've talked a lot about how um, 
you know, what it means. Like, you want to make sure that you're in the room with the people that can help you level up. In this room are our Founders Board members, right? Our Founders Board members, this is our high-level mastermind group. This is actually the group that, for us, uh, replaced War Room. So War Room, uh, we eventually just sunset that. And Founders Board, really, for us, is the new War Room. Uh, this is the group where we're working with founders to help them scale. Um, and while you're here, you know, we hope that, that we'll have a chance to, to chat with you and have a conversation with you about Founders Board and how we can help you uh, turn those red uh, into yellow, turn the yellow uh, into green. We've got tools galore uh, to make this stuff happen. But what we want to do even more than that, we want to get you in the room and hanging out with people who are going to raise your standards so that what you today consider to be green, uh, tomorrow uh, you see it as yellow. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you wanna double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. 
Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. 